0: Hi, plant friends. Welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. This is Simon Hill, your host and creator of plantproof.com, your one-stop shop for information on plant-based nutrition. The Plant Proof Podcast is a channel to create thought-provoking conversation with industry leaders, qualified professionals, athletes, and more to help us become more conscious and form healthier and more mindful habits. And now it's time to introduce today's special guest. This episode of the Plant Proof Podcast features Max Lamar. Max is a 29-year-old vegan chef living in New York who was recently inspired to live a no-waste life. In this episode, you will hear about Max's upbringing and what inspired him to become vegan and conscious about the health of this planet, as well as many practical take-home tips to help you live a life with less waste. Max has such a powerful message. I know I personally walked away from this conversation armed with information that I could implement immediately, and I'm sure you will too. I hope you enjoy it. Max Lamana, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast.
1: Simon, thank you for having me.
0: It's a real pleasure to have you on the, the show. Your, your message is so, so powerful it really is. And before we delve into a zero waste lifestyle and, and what that means, sort of how it's affected your life and you know, then how someone can implement it at their end, I I want to know more about you. So tell us about your family and your childhood. Where, where did you grow up and what were your hobbies and interests?
1: Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on again. And I'm glad that you know my mission and my, what I'm passionate about is is reaching people all around the world. So thank you. Yeah, I grew up having a chef for a father. And, you know, as a child, food was the focus. That's where we brought everyone together at the dinner table. I had two sisters and a younger brother. And we're always so active with sports and always running around outside that this was the time for us to come together was when we had a meal. So food was always like this major importance to us as a as a family and as a community.
0: Yeah, sure. And and where whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut. Waterbury, Connecticut. Okay. And then, in terms of you know outside of home and through school, what were your other hobbies and interests? And, and sort of as a kid, what were you up to? I was
1: heavily into sports. Um, I tried to play every single sport I could. I can remember at, at a young age, I. I wanted to be the world's strongest man after watching, <laughs> you know, the world's strongest men competition.
0: Yeah.
1: And my father made me believe that he was the world's strongest man because there was a statue in our town of Atlas holding the world on his shoulders. And my father, every time we drove by would say that that was me, you know, when <laughs> I was younger, you know, and I really believed that my father at you know, some point in time was able to hold the world on his shoulders. And so I looked up to my father and wanted to be the strongest person in the world at that young age. So sports was that, that, that avenue I took to become, you know, fit and athletic and healthy because what's, what's cooler than, you know, seeing your father lift the world on his shoulders. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and you, you said that food was a a big part of your childhood and, you know, connected, brought your family together. What, was your diet like and what what was the sort of typical meal that you were having for for dinner at home with the family
1: i mean we ate everything you know we had a garden in our backyard so there's times when we were eating you know vegetables straight from the ground in our backyard i remember moments where my mother would say hey run outside and go grab a couple carrots yeah we ate everything at a young age but we you know we we focused on the plants too at a young at, you know as a kid growing up we focused on the plants because we knew that there was a lot of nutrition in there especially being active and being and in, in, involved in a lot of sports we knew that we were going to get our our nutrition from that at a young age
0: so you were you were sort of reasonably conscious i guess for for someone your age in terms of what you were putting into your body
1: oh yeah absolutely but that i mean we still you know at one point we did have animal products you know being 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 italian and french we definitely had our our fair fair amount of cheese
0: and, and what about your diet sort of just compared to your friends at school and stuff were, was it similar or were, were you sort of not jumping into all the fast food and the typical, I guess, American Western diet?
1: Well, my father had a couple of restaurants and one of the restaurants he had was a fast food chain. I never ate there as a kid, but later on and when I got to you know, university, that's when I started eating, eating there. Cause it was, it was just convenient. But you know the kids in school and growing up, the kids were eating the the cafeteria lunches, whereas I was having, I remember peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or like a protein like sliced turkey and cheese sandwiches, kind of things like that. You know, I look yeah. back and I kind of, I kind of cringe about it because it's oh, I can't imagine like doing that now.
0: But it's, it sort of sounds like you know you're you're looking back. It's, I guess everything's a spectrum. You're looking back at that now and saying, wow, that was, how was I eating that? But back then you were thinking that you were doing or eating healthier than those around you at school. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We, yeah, we definitely thought that this was like the most nutritional nourishing meal that we could possibly get. I think at that, at that age and at that time.
0: And, and what about the, the consciousness, I guess, around waste and, you know, the impact that things like plastic and, you know, you're, you're talking a lot about this stuff now. When rewinding back to these high school days, were you, were you conscious of this or was this sort of something that you hadn't yet opened up your mind to?
1: No, I definitely, definitely had an open mind to this. Again, growing up in an Italian-French household, my mother was very outspoken about a lot of things. And trash was one of the things that she was very passionate about we would see trash on the side of the road and she would just be so upset that people would just litter and throw their garbage on the street. So, you know, at that age, I I knew, okay, I'm not going to litter. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to recycle properly. I'm going to throw my garbage away. And then little by little, I started thinking, okay, where is this actually going? Uh, You don't hear things being incinerated or you know, magically disappearing and going away. And then at a young age, you know, going to the beaches and seeing debris and trash on the beaches. And then when you go for a hike in the mountains on the trails there's trash in the trails, people are just unconscious of, you know, what they're using and how they're using it and not thinking fully to uh, the 10th degree. Like, where is this going to end up? Where is this going to live for the rest of its life?
0: So I I want to jump in more in in sort of in the second half of this podcast into answering some of those questions which you've just gone through and then once we understand a little bit more about the impact it's having on the planet what we can do what all of us can do starting with simple easy things to to larger things but before we jump into that what what age were you when when these things that you're talking about now and when you started to connect the dots of okay where where are things ending up how old were you then
1: mm, uh, that happened I think I'm 29 years old now so I think maybe 2 two or 3 years ago it okay. it hit me yeah it really hit me
0: So you you had moved you know I understand that you eat a vegan diet or live a vegan lifestyle you'd already moved to to that lifestyle prior to this Yeah I
1: was vegan prior to living living a no waste lifestyle
0: and and what, what inspired the the move from, uh, you know, you said your, your parents have a French and Italian background. You mentioned, yeah. you know, there's a lot of cheese and, and other animal products in those sort of traditional meals. What, what inspired you to go against, I guess, those, um, the traditional cultural ways of eating from, from France and from Italy and remove mm-hmm. animal products from your diet?
1: Oh man. I was cooking a meal for, I was in Hawaii actually at the time when I decided I wanted to choose a different lifestyle and consume differently. I was cooking a meal for friends and this couple comes over to me and they asked if I was cooking anything vegan. And at the time I had no idea what they were talking about. I never even heard, I don't think i ever heard of the term vegan and they shared their story with me, and in that moment, I decided, okay, this is, this is the change I needed. You know, it, it, it happened over time. There was seeds that were planted along the way for me to get to the point where I am now. So it happened over time. So it just clicked when they mentioned, oh, we, you know, we live a plant-based lifestyle. We're vegan because it's good for the environment. you know, they were the people that I was talking to. They were huge animal advocates, uh, animal rights activists. They loved animals, and I said, "I love animals. I don't want an animal to die. I wouldn't want to see another human being die too. Like we're all we're all connected." I said, "Okay, I can. I that aligns with me. The health aspects uh li- aligned with me. I, you know, let me try this. Maybe I, I, you know, at a young age, remember I wanted to be the world's strongest man. <laughs> I said, okay, let's try this. Let's see what happens when I change what I eat and how I consume because I know." the gut it has a mind of its own and what we are is or what we eat is who we are so the health aspect was a big uh, role in this and i think i already mentioned before the the environmental issues the impact that we have when we create animal based products there's a lot of waste that's behind all of that so it was an easy <laughs> once you see the picture once you you know the information it's shared with you and then over the course of time more and more information is shared to you and it just starts to resonate with you it's hard to turn away from the truth yeah,
0: yeah i know um you know initially when i transitioned to a, a vegan diet it was it was health being completely yeah. transparent and honest it was health that that grabbed my attention at the start and as i dug deeper and people shared further information with me and watched more documentaries, read more books, you connect the dots with the environment and the animals. And then, as you say, you get to a stage where you you have all of this information and it makes it impossible for you to go back. Absolutely. Okay. so that's So that moment in Hawaii, that was a pivotal moment by the sounds of it. And that sort of you know it sounds like you had little bits of information over the years but that that moment where you met that couple that sparked you to give it a go and was it an instantaneous switch on that day or did you start to sort of play around with you know a few meals here and there or how did you move into a entirely vegan diet and were you sort of were you scared or skeptical of anything
1: i wish everyone the opportunity to the travel. And I think being in that moment in Hawaii, I think the sun was setting. It was just like this, ah, it was like this aha moment. Everything came to realization. Like it smacked me in my face. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Okay. So in that moment, I said, I just started prepping. I started cooking, but nothing was really cooked yet. And I said, okay, you know what? The whole entire meal tonight, everyone that was in our group, there was about 10 10 or 12 of us. I said we're. it's gonna be all vegan tonight. And they were shocked. They're like, wait a second, what? Because they weren't abrasive. They weren't, uh, they didn't come on strong, like, oh, we're we're the vegans. They were kind and lighthearted individuals. And so I said, you know what, let's do all vegan tonight. Let's do it. So it was right then and there. And then, you know, I, I was living in New York at the time. I flew back to New York, and that's where I started. Okay, I'm not living, I'm not in Hawaii right now. Now I really need to start doing the research. I need to educate myself. Um, That couple, they're not there to answer my questions anymore. Now it's time for me to educate myself and inform what I need to do in order to live this way. Like, let's see how long I can go and see how it feels. So a couple months went by. It felt great. There were some challenges, of course, because it's hard to, at that time, it was six years ago, it was hard to share that information with my friends and say, Hey, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not going to eat this. And I didn't know, I didn't choose the words properly or correctly. I should have just like chose what I wanted to eat and just done with that. You know, if I was out to eat, I, sh- I could have grabbed the waitress, pulled her off to the side and just yeah. say, you know, Hey, I'm, I have a specific diet. Can you cater to my needs? I really appreciate it. You know, anything you do with, you know, a smile and, You know, you come from a kind place. You speak from the heart. I think, you know, other people understand that. They can
0: read that. You know, you're looking back now and you're you're sort of in hindsight saying that you could have approached it slightly differently in terms of sharing it with your friends and and being out in a social environment. What was your or, you know, what were you sort of doing back then early on?
1: I think I I was so I think I was so excited. I'm I'm looking back and I'm laughing because I was so excited. To share this with other people and say, look what I'm doing, you know? But it wasn't, I don't think it was a solid foundation yet. Um, And so I was excited to share, but, you know, the thoughts of other people and doing what you're doing because you're doing something that's not normal to their lifestyle. So I think find the foundation, find what resonates with you and why you're doing it. So then you're true to yourself. And you know that you can always go back and say, okay, this is why I'm doing this. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that, oh yeah, I should just stay connected to the, the, you know, for me, the three reasons, health, environment, and animals. If I can connect to that and if I can really resonate with that, then I can't fall off. I can't, you know, and this is the better choice in my opinion. I think, yeah. Slightly keep it to yourself for for a bit until you can you really can grasp and control control that foundation and, and it's solid in who you are, and then you're able to you know possibly share that with others. Lead by example, you know, actions speak louder than words.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you've said there, and I, I think it's really important because often vegans can get a bit of a bad name for you know potentially being outspoken or or being the person that you know, sprukes an argument or whatnot, whether whether it's intentional or not. But I think the point that you make is particularly always staying humble and staying staying true to why you are doing it, but not sort of pretending that you know everything and particularly early on. You know, just just being humble and knowing why you're doing it, but also knowing that if someone does ask you or wants to enter into a debate, you don't need to and you can you can always just Tell people to, to, to read this resource or look at this resource and things like that and keep the conversations a little shorter than going, you know, super deep into things, especially if, if it's something that you're new to. And the other thing that I really like that you said, and it's something that, that I still do now. And, you know, I like to think I know a fair bit about the science and the health and the sustainability aspect of a vegan lifestyle, but the other thing is knowing who you're out with and who your company is so you can know whether it's a it's a the right situation to actually start discussing something in detail or perhaps it's better just not being discussed and I still you know will excuse myself from the table to go and speak to the waitress on the side if I think that the certain table table or group of friends that I'm with it's um, going to be better environment for everyone if i go and sort my food out to the side so i think that's a really good little tip that you said there yeah okay so that that was your friends but what about your family what What about your family how did they receive this change in your your diet and and you no longer eating animal products
1: i had a great experience as soon as i shared hey uh i'm like, <laughs> i'm vegan and they were, you know they were so excited or not excited i should say i should they were more open to the idea and they asked questions. And, you know, the first holiday or um, yeah, holiday back at, with the family, we all had like a big meal and it was completely vegan. You know, like we celebrate Thanksgiving here and Christmas and all the other holidays. Like They wanted to cater to my wants and my needs. And I thought that was very um, rare from like the stories that I've heard over time. From other, you know, people that have reached out to me and friends, and who are also vegan, they don't have the similar experience. Um, but my family, they were open for it, and they consider themselves, you know, you know, sixty or seventy-five percent vegan now, which is like, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's and amazing. <laughs> little, they're making small changes throughout the day, and like, they're they send me pictures of their food and their lunch, and it's 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 amazing to know that just doing what resonates with you you know and not being you know being humble like you said just be humble that those those actions that you create can go a long way and can impact your immediate friends and family
0: and if if someone is you know in the situation where their parents aren't as welcoming as yours and you know <laughs> you know they they see the the kids change in diet as disrespectful to their culture, or they see it as un, an uneducated sort of uninformed decision, and they're worried. A lot of the time, from what I see, and I think it would probably be ninety nine point nine percent of the time, the parents are genuinely they're just concerned about the child's health, and they they're getting upset because they they probably don't understand all of the information yet around you know a healthy plant based lifestyle but what what is your advice for someone who's not so fortunate is not you know in that family with the welcoming parents and the the parents that are opposed to them moving to a vegan diet?
1: I think this goes back to I think something I said early on was about education. If they' you know sometimes it's easier to find information or listen to somebody else who's not your immediate family, like if you said something to your parents right now and then I said it, they would hear me possibly, they would understand where I'm coming from and hear what I'm saying versus hearing it from you. so like, true. Oh yeah, Max, yeah. <laughs> Max, look at, look, at, look, at the, look at Max, he's smart. I'm like, wait, Simon just said that. <laughs> um, so I think sometimes getting your information from another outlet, so where are you getting your information? I, I tell people, I say, watch movies, watch documentaries send them an article, send them a clip, send them information that showcases this because we want to believe what you're saying is true, but you need, we also want to back it up, you know, give it, give it, um, the weight behind it that it deserves. Um, you know, my family, when, when they saw that I was switching my diet, they were for it. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And then they went right back to their old ways. They didn't typically eat vegan, you know, from that point on. But then, you know, years down the road, I shared them documentaries. I shared them books and articles and it's a little bit, a you know, little bit, little by little. They just shared this. And now they're my, my mom works at a school now and she sees what food that they're feeding the children. She's like, Max, you would be ashamed at what they're feeding the kids. And I'm like, what are they feeding? And she tells me like animal products. And I'm like, mom, you at one point you were that person who was eating animal. And it's great to see the shift in perspective in her mind. And she's in her 60s. So she's like, she's not giving up. She's like, you know, my old ways. I have, I've been eating meat since I was a kid, since I was born. And I'm going to do it until the day I die. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I think change is good. And I think you and I can completely uh, agree on that living or eating more plants is better for your health and, and for the environment
0: hundred percent and it's it's really refreshing to see because because my my parents are very similar to yours by the sounds of it in that they are you know seeing myself my brother my, my brother's wife and my girlfriend but you know especially because we eat with them a lot they're seeing firsthand you know just Leading by example, they're asking more questions. And like you said, not necessarily moving to a vegan, you know, lifestyle overnight, but they're starting to add in more plant based meals. And, you know, it it goes to show that, you know, if someone can, can change their diet, whether it's slowly or not, who has had 50, 60 years of eating animal products and, you know, anyone can. It's just about opening up your mind. Not, not necessarily just having a closed-minded approach to, you know, your diet that you've known for so many years. Now, mate, you, you mentioned you were cooking in Hawaii for, for some friends. Uh, you're, a, you're a chef, right? Yes. So when when did you, um, I'm assuming you went to like a, a culinary or a chef school?
1: Yeah, actually, I didn't. I didn't go to culinary school. Uh, self-taught. Okay, wow. My father was a chef. And, you know, he would cook meals, food would hit the table, we'd all sit down. And before we did anything, you know, say, we, we were, I had a great childhood growing up. We were mindful. We would say a prayer, we'd look at the food, he would invite us. It, it became an experience every single time we got to the dinner table, which was fun. He would invite us to smell the food first before we just jump right in and eat it. Um, he would ask, he would lay out all the spices on the, on the, on the table. And say what spices are in this dish, and we would eat, and we would figure out. He's like, "There's five of them. There's ten. In, there's ten ingredients out. What do you see, or what do you taste um, in your meal tonight? What are the five that I used?" And it, I don't know if it was him encouraging us to understand our palate. You know, now I think I'm like, "Oh, you wanted us to understand our palate, you know, and make it fun." But I also think maybe it was a tactic to keep us all from yelling and Screaming and yelling at one another because we were, you know, I had three three siblings and we were all relatively close in age, so we we're it was a wild household growing up. So I think he, he was trying to keep us calm and keep us focused on a on a task. But the cooking aspect when I when I moved out, I moved to New York City when I was twenty, um, and always cooked. Friends were encouraging me to open up your own cafe and do dinner parties, and you know, I kind of was doing my own thing. I didn't.
0: I didn't listen to them. I'm
1: not sure if I if I told you this, Simon. Mean, but I lived in Australia for a little bit.
0: Okay, where whereabouts?
1: I was in Bondi.
0: Oh, you in Bondi? Bondi? What took you to to
1: Bondi? <laughs> I was living in I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I met this beautiful girl, and she was Australian. And you know, we fell in love. And she says, "Let's go back to Australia." So I decided to go back to Australia. She had a chocolate business. I was making cookies in in LA, and you know. She she tried my cookie. I tried her chocolate. And I was <laughs> love it, love love at first bite. And yeah, I said, okay, I'm going to Australia. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, well, there's uh, there's there's definitely worse places to go and live than Bondi. What did you What did you think of Bondi? How How long were you there for? Two years.
1: Uh, I was there for a, almost a year. I loved it. I loved it. It was great. We ended up moving from Bondi to Bellevue Hill, and lived on Beringa Barrago Road,
0: I know Bellevue Hill. Yep, yeah. it's a nice, nice spot. Probably yeah. near the golf course so there.
1: Near the golf course, there's like a big park over there too, as well. Um, so yeah, I love, I love, I love being there. Waking up, everyone's so active. Waking up at you know five o'clock, five thirty with the sun, jumping in into the cold water at the icebergs or yeah, going yeah. to the sauna. <laughs> and I think I saw you had a post the other day. I think you were outside of Orchard Street. You were sitting on yes, like that, yeah, the that
0: bench. Yeah. So that was, that was Gnocchi, my puppy, sitting on, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's outside Orchard Street. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. That's um, a cool place. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So I, see, I, I follow a lot of people who are still in Australia and it, it brings me back and I tell people stories about,
0: uh, the flying foxes and huntsman spiders <laughs> and just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the huntsman, the, the spiders just, that scares everyone when they see what they look like. Oh my gosh, yeah. It scared me too. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's jump back onto track. So, yeah. so, so New York first, then LA.
1: Yeah, New York, LA, Sydney. And I was cooking in Sydney. Was managing a couple cafes and restaurants. And I was cooking maybe once a week for friends, uh, meeting people who, you know, I, was, I didn't know anyone. I only knew the girl at the time. So it was a way for me to meet people. And it goes back to my childhood. Why did we, you know, we ate because we love food, but we had food because we brought people, we brought people together with the food. So it, that was another incentive uh, to meeting people Was I'm going to bring people together with food, Moved back to New York. I chose New York cause I was closer to home, closer to family. I knew a lot of people I haven't seen in years. I decided to continue cooking and let's, let's keep doing this. Um, Worked in a a vegan restaurant for a little bit. I was cooking. I was bartending in the same restaurant. Which which
0: restaurant's that? uh, ABCV. Is that still there in New York? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah,
1: it's a Jean-Georges restaurant.
0: Okay. Um, So how long were you you cooking there for?
1: uh, I was there for about eight months. And I was, or maybe nine months, I was cooking there and also bartending. So I was back and forth. I was in the front of the house. I was in the back of the house and splitting up my time and it was great. I had this, it was a great balance. And then one day it just clicked. It just dawned that, okay, do your own thing. Go out and be, you know, I don't, I don't like the word entrepreneur, but become an entrepreneur, just like do your own thing. Because when I was in Sydney, this is, I mean, why Sydney and why Australia is so dear to my heart is because it, this was the place where I, figured out what i want wanted to do with with my life mostly because the girl i was dating she pressed the question what do you want to do with the rest of your life and it just it it hit differently and i didn't sleep for 3 days and i ended up going down to the beach with a notepad and pen and wrote down a list of 10 things that i can see myself doing every single day i said okay the just hearing the ocean and hearing the birds and the sun was shining. It was just like the perfect moment where I can quiet my mind, ask myself, what do you want to do? What can you see yourself doing every single day? And some of them were cooking, reading a book, meditating, drinking lots of water, like those sort of things that were like just so simple and you know generic. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to attach them to how I can make money. I said, if money's going to come, Let me do what I love to do every single day. And then I can, that will just, the money will come. The money will just find its way into what I can see myself doing every single day because I didn't want to see myself behind the desk working for somebody else. You know, I wanted to live my own life. This is, we're only here for a short period of time and I don't want to waste any time on on doing something that I'm not passionate about.
0: And was, you know, wasting food or, um, you know, recycling and, and, you know, and avoiding things in plastic. Was that on the list at that stage? Had you started to think <laughs> now, about that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah. No, that wasn't on the list, but I did write down nature on my list and I had my own reasonings behind it. And I said, okay, like things are going to happen with it. So nature. And I've been living a, no waste lifestyle for the past nine or ten months now. Yeah, it's ten months now because we're we're in we're in June, but yeah, it's been ten months of living no waste.
0: And I, I saw you you put up. Um, I mean, you do a lot of a lot of content on social media, and it's it's really amazing stuff that you're putting out there. But one that really resonated with me, you you put up a photo of your waste from the last six months. I think at that stage, right? And you could hold it in. Your hand or in the cup, so like it was yeah. it was like the size of your fist, which is remarkable. I think if anyone saw the average person's waist over six months compared to that, it would be astonishing what nine months ago, what was like the tipping moment where you said i am I'm living waste free Well, I think the transition I'm going to go back to Sydney, seeing how clean
1: sydney is where people are cleaning up and picking up garbage on the street. People, I saw people every single day picking up trash off the beach. And I said, I don't see that in the United States. I don't see that, spe- especially in New York. I don't see that. Coming back to New York was a major shock because there's so much waste that is happening all around us. And then I reverted back to that list that I had. I said, okay, what can I do that is Going to help this this issue and this problem. How can I inspire other people? How can I encourage others to just not waste so much? And I came across a young woman's um, YouTube video. Her name is Lauren Singer, and she goes by Trashes for Tossers, and she's been living no waste for I think six years now, and she it inspired me it was like the perfect timing to see this because i was like i was fed up with all this trash and we're just polluting this planet i th- wanted to make a change i wanted to make a difference and it hit at the right time and you know it's it's funny because the next day later i was working at this restaurant i was bartending and guess who comes in to the bar and stands right in front of me no way this is- she said, boom. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, that right. is insane. <laughs> that's, that's, a clear, that's a clear sign. The world is sending me a message. I need to, need to respond to what, how I feel. You know, I approached her and I said, hey, I know who you are. Let's do something. Let's change this. Let's, and she's like, love your attitude. Love, love everything about you. Let's do it. And so we like connected immediately. And at that time, I wasn't on social media. So the time that I started social media uh, for Instagram was like the same time I was like, "All right, zero waste starts now." <laughs> everything just had everything just aligned perfectly, like
0: the time that it needed to be. So you you make that decision, and I'm I'm assuming that there was no doubt a fair bit of research and education into, okay, well, what does that actually mean? And tomorrow when I wake up. What, how's that going to affect how I eat and consume? And can you, can you just talk me through that process and, and how you went from consuming so much stuff and, 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 you know, having waste like a typical person has to the next day, just being completely conscious about it and really just cutting back to, you know, what I said before that six month amount of waste that you put a photo up of was really remarkable. So. Yeah. Can you shed some light on that? Sure.
1: Let's go back to that. The next day when I woke up. Yeah. Uh, always researching. I'm always, you know, what what can, what can can I do to create less waste and typically send no trash to a landfill? That's the goal of zero waste. It's a philosophy. The goal is for no trash to end up in a landfill. So that means I may have something that has packaging on it or a sticker or a ticket or a receipt that comes and it just happens. You know, maybe I forget. I'll take that and I'll put it into the jar. My jar has grown since then. You know, it's not about being perfect. It's just being, it's about being mindful. Um, So that first day I thought, okay, I really wasn't drinking water from plastic bottles. At the time, I liked drinking water from glass. I don't know, it just feels better to me. So that was like, okay, don't buy plastic bottles. Drink from glass. I'm like, perfect, done. All right, I'm already doing that.
0: Is that like the number uh, one thing that people can change that you would suggest people look at? Yeah.
1: like That can, that can be like the gateway into you know, consuming less plastic is definitely switch out, your, switch out the plastic water bottle to a glass bottle definitely um and then i started the next was you know and then the plastic bottle got me into the plastic straws and the plastic bags at the the stores um and the plastic utensils that people would pass out when you know you maybe you're going to have lunch and it's a takeaway or maybe the restaurant that has a sit down inside of the cafe and they they also have plastic I said, okay, plastic, I'm not going to consume plastic anymore because it's going to outlive me. And that's sad that this piece of plastic is going to live longer on this planet than I am. So it was that, the compost, because immediately I said, I have all this food, throwing it into a garbage can or garbage bin. I have to change that. So what do I do? And I researched composting and learn what I can do with composting. I was fortunate enough to have a compost bin on my, in my apartment building here in Brooklyn, and the New York City Sanitation comes and picks it up. So I said, okay, that's covered. I can do that. That's easy. Where can I store this? And I read information that said you can store your compost if you don't want to have a bin in your, inside your you know, living space because it can you know, sometimes create you know smells. Put it in your freezer. And I had storage space in my freezer. I said, okay, I'm just going to put it in the storage space. Um, I typically change up, dropping it off outside my building. So the city comes and picks it up. Or I bring it to the farmer's market, which the farmers, they're glad to take it. They're happy to take it. But they also have a program with New York City that New York City, at a majority of all the farmer's markets that are happening every single day, there's a compost station, so if people who are listening are in New York City, um, there's composting is available to you. Um, so once I started seeing, you know, the small changes, taking taking no plastic, you know, if I did go out and get a drink and I said no plastic straws, please, or just say I don't need a straw, I brought my own container with me, can you use this instead? You know, the light on their faces, people are just like, oh wow, yeah, sure it's as if they're not, they're they're not used to this and so <laughs> you know sometimes they're i think they, they feel it's it's strange that somebody is being resourceful which i feel like it should be happening more and more <laughs> i had a friend say you know these today people who consider themselves hippies you know you're supposed to be connected to the environment but you're wasting so much more than what you know hippies were doing back in the
0: 70s i don't know <laughs> the definition's changed. The definition has changed, man. So back, back to that, the compost bin that you said is you're fortunate enough to have in your uh, apartment complex in New York. Is that something that you can request? Is that like a shared bin that everyone from the, the apartment complex can use or how does that work? Yes.
1: So my my street, every building has one on my street. I think if I walk over to another side of my neighborhood, they may not have it. So it is by request. And you can they, you can simply do that. You can request it. And what I've done in the past too is that if I'm out and I've gone out to eat and I have food scraps that I've taken off the table from the meal I was with my friends and they weren't going to eat it, I'll take the food scraps because I'll carry a container with me. And then... I will become a gorilla composter where I'll just find a compost bin in in some part of the city and dump off my compost in someone's bin and run. That's amazing, um,
0: man. That's, that's that's really amazing you're going to the, to that extent. So h- how does the composting work from from a uh I guess sustainability point of view or, or um when they pick it up, where are they taking it? And what's happening with it?
1: So they're taking the compost here in New York City. They're taking it to Staten Island, which is a smaller – it's another borough of New York. And they're taking it there, and I believe they separate what is compostable and what is not because not everyone understands what compost is, and sometimes people throw trash in there, and it, you know it's not a perfect system. So they, f- they figure it out, and then the city separates – and shares the compost material with rooftop gardens, gardens in the city, schools, farmers, and I'm sure like a couple of maybe restaurants as well. The restaurants that have maybe a potential like spot on their property that have a garden. The importance behind compost is food that we throw away goes into a landfill. And that landfill, the food doesn't break down naturally as it would in a in a compost landfill. The food scraps would create methane gas, a greenhouse gas that if you were to take a deep breath of methane, it would deplete your body of oxygen and you would pass out. So the food's not breaking down, creating this methane gas and not, you know, not decomposing fully. What I'd like to think of is the food scraps that we end up putting into the compost still, have, still has life to it, still has nutrients in, in it. Um, and that food scrap turns into soil. So healthy soil equals healthy food. Healthy food equals healthy people. So the more we put compost or food scraps back into compost, we could then have healthy food for us to consume because people, if we don't have compost, here's another, here's another idea. We continue to grow in the same soil, and the same dirt, year in and year out. So if you're using the same spot to grow a piece of kale or a carrot or capsicums, <laughs> I use capsicums because uh, we, don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't use that. We use peppers. You call them but, peppers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank <If> you. <laughs> you. Yeah, of course, of course. Or rocket. Yeah, and rocket <laughs> uh, if if we continue to use that same piece of land and not replenish the soil you're not going to have nutrient dense food and that's what we want we want to have the nutrient that, and I'm sure you probably understand this too as soon as they you know they snip the piece of kale off off the ground and they put it into a bag or they send it to the store it's losing its nutritional value from from the farmer to the store right
0: Correct, yeah,
1: all in all, healthy soil it ends up being healthier for you
0: okay, so you you mentioned earlier that you would or you, you when you're at a, a restaurant or a cafe and you order a drink you'll, you'll ask for it without a straw or uh, you'll take a container to put scraps into. What, what other things do you carry on you? Is it you know cutlery or straws or sort of how do you prepare yourself when you leave the home to live a zero-waste lifestyle?
1: Great question. Exactly, exactly that. The cutlery, I have bamboo cutlery that I carry with me. And people ask me, why, why bamboo? Why not, why not just like silver? The bamboo is a, a lot lighter. And if I'm traveling... If i'm gonna jump on a plane and and travel somewhere, I want you know I, <laughs> it's just easier to pass through the yeah. terminals and to the planes with you know something that is bamboo but i have I have my bags with me I have string bat like string bags with me to carry produce if I want to go shop and get some food from the farmers' market, linen bags if I want something you know that is like nuts or seeds, granola, things like that. I can put into these bags.
0: So you, so you typically buy those sorts of things from like a a bulk food store. Is it where you can scoop it out? Is that what you, or from a market? Exactly. So going to yeah,
1: I, I can buy the bags online, or sometimes mostly these bulk stores have uh, containers for you or bags for you. Um, there's a couple different ways to approach it with how to, on what to bring and, you know, planning, you know, the, 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 those, those moments when you're going to shop. For me, I try to travel light as possible. So these linen bags are helpful. If I know that I'm going to go to the store and it's going to be my one trip, I'm going right to the store. I may bring a couple mason jars with me and they'll scale, they'll weigh out the jar, write the, write the weight on on the jar, so then, at, after I refill it, they can split the difference. Split the difference of the weight. So I have my cutlery. I have my bags with me. I have my glass water bottle with me. I also bring linen napkins with me. Okay, I like, like to be a little fancy sometimes. So I, <laughs> I thought, okay, why not. I'll have some linen napkins, and I usually bring two. So you know, if I'm having lunch with somebody else, or I'm having a meal with somebody else, I. Typically, I've said, hey, would you rather have a linen napkin instead of this paper napkin? And they're like, most of the time, 99% of the time, maybe 100% of the time, the answer is always yes. Yeah. So I get, I, and I plant that seed for them. And they said, oh, wow, I really didn't think of that. Maybe I can, yeah, bring my own napkins next time. I
0: said, it's that's a, great. That's a really nice way of doing it. Yeah. I have a t-shirt. I have a shirt that uh,
1: doesn't fit me anymore. And it has a beautiful design on it what i'm going to do with that shirt instead of just throwing it away or giving it away i'm going to cut it and make it into into like napkins because it's just a beautiful shirt has a great design on it but it doesn't fit me anymore so repurposing do you know the tiffin tiffin containers they're like it's stainless steel containers and the one that i have has 3 levels to it
0: oh the yeah i saying these yeah one
1: yeah so i bring i usually bring one of them with me just for the top and the the lid and the container itself and that's how I bring food how I pick up food scraps and I put it in there or if you know I choose to eat at a place that doesn't have reusable like ceramic plates I usually say hey can do you mind putting you know my food in this and most of the time they say yes I think it's just going into you know I think living a zero waste lifestyle can be easy when you're the one that's orchestrating it like I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy the food that has no packaging. And then when you go out to eat, that's when, or when you go out to, to have an experience somewhere, that's where it becomes a little bit challenging. And that's where I think you need to plan a little bit ahead and sometimes make sacrifices. The other day I wanted ice cream and the store had vegan ice cream, which was great, but they didn't have reusable like containers and I didn't bring mine with me. So I said, okay, I'm going to sacrifice not eating ice cream today, which was fine because maybe I didn't need the sugar.
0: So do you do you think about that that jar, the jar that you – or the cup that you held up, which has your amount of wastage over nine months? Do you think about that when you're making these decisions? Yes.
1: Uh, maybe not so much thinking about the jar, but just thinking, man, where is this, this going to go? Like this trash is – it's going, to be, it's going to live on this planet longer than me, longer than my children, longer than my children's children, and then their children and their children. So I don't want to make it harder for anyone else.
0: Uh, I'm thinking about this practically, um, yeah, you know, yeah, for, yeah. For for myself and and for people listening. So you mentioned then with the ice cream, you said you know that it wasn't reusable. What 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 do you mean by reusable? Is that just like a container that you can reseal and repurpose at home for storing something else, or yeah? Can you can you explain that? Yeah, like
1: like when you go out to dinner, they they put food. You're at a at, at a restaurant. They they put food on a plate that is you know like a ceramic plate where they can. Then take it away and wash it, and then re, you know, continuing to use that plate over and over again. They didn't have that. They were just serving ice cream from a plastic container, styrofoam uh, type bowl. I'm like, all right, I I can't do this. Like, uh, I can't sack, I can't say, oh, my taste buds deserve this. I need this, but this, what I choose now is going to impact
0: the planet. I can't justify that. And you, you speak about sacrifices. Are there any foods, are there any foods? I know you, you know, you shop at the market and are there any foods that you can't buy purely because there's just no options in terms of packaging? Mm.
1: Sometimes cauliflower, (laughs) sometimes cauliflower is always wrapped in plastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I have
1: to wait until I get to like the farmer's market. So they don't have it, but you know this one one thing I did, Simon, the other day is that I actually did buy the packaging of the cauliflower that had the plastic packaging. So I forgot the name of the company. I won't. I won't share it. But it had the word "organic," nat- "Nature's Promise." Like this is, you know, we're, we're we promise that this is the best for the environment. Kind of, you know, motto. And I'm like, you're wrapped in plastic. What do you mean? So. I took the packaging, wrote an email, wrote a letter, and I sent the packaging back to the company. <laughs> and I and in the letter I said, Can you guys figure out a different way? You you're saying that you're friendly to the environment, that you're uh for the planet, but it doesn't show, you know? Like if you're gonna be real with the words that you're sharing and telling people this then you got to, then you got to back up your words because I don't see that. And, you know, I made that sacrifice. I said, I, I really want, I really want cauliflower curry. And I was cooking for my family. So I thought, okay, let's just do it. I'm going to send this email. I'm going to send this letter. I'm going to send this, you know, that was a little bit, you know, you know, I was, I was forceful with that. I went to an uncomfortable place within myself to do this, but I was, I'm, I'm trying to make a difference.
0: You'll have to, have to definitely uh, let me know if you hear back from that company, but it'd be it'd be very nice to see if they do change that packaging, you know, in the in the future when you're in that store. I hope so. On, on that topic of plastic and brands, there there is a number of brands, you know, around the world who genuinely they do want to do the right thing. Potentially, they don't know the impact that their packaging is having on the planet. I've seen. A number of, uh, sort of biodegradable type plastic, you know, popping up on different brands and, you know, claiming that it is compostable or breaks down over X number of days. I think there's a chain in New York called Juice Generation. And I remember I ordered the a drink there and, and I remember they have a plant on the side of the plastic smoothie container and it says made from plants. I've, I've seen in Bali, there's some straws and they say, this is not plastic. Is, is this something that you have come across? It seems like there's some, you know, looks like plastic, but not made from plants. Is this something you've come across? Is it really compostable and biodegradable? Or, you know, what do you think about that?
1: I think, where is it going to go afterwards? Because you say that it's compostable, it's made out of plants. Great. But people don't typically... Put that in the in the compost section or the bin afterwards. They throw it in the the normal bin, and it ends up in a landfill. So it doesn't actually, if it is compostable, it doesn't actually break down. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So, so you 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 need everyone to understand that it was compostable for it to actually live up to that claim.
1: Yeah. So and then, but it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me because. I've seen companies and I have a friend who has a compost business here in New York City who's gone undercover, who's stayed up late at night to watch the companies who hire other compost delivery trucks to come and pick up their, their compostables outside their stores. And they end up, that those recycling companies end up picking up everything, the compost, the recycling and the garbage and throwing it in the same truck. So... Why would you do that? And then we my friend, he asked them and they said, Oh, it all goes to one spot. Then you're not sorting it out. You're actually making your making more work for yourself. If you're you you go to their landfill and you end up sorting it out then, you're just creating more work. No one wants to work more. So that was an eye-opening, you know, experience for me, seeing actual footage, because he recorded this. And it was a company that I used to go to and like Get juice and food from them, and I and I decided, okay, I'm not going to support this.
0: How do you go buying? You know, like if you, I don't, I'm not sure whether you you buy these types of foods, but there probably is people listening that buy your vegan cheeses or your vegan yeah. tofu or tempeh. And you know, are there options out there that don't come in plastic packaging?
1: Not yet. Max Max Lamano will have a uh, a zero waste vegan cheese pretty soon. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you got, you look, it's not about being perfect. If you want to have that, if that's your treat, you, that's just what you want. Fine. Do that. That's totally fine. For me, the cheese was the biggest part. I think when, you know, going vegan and I thought, okay, how do I make this change? And I looked and saw how to make vegan cheese. So I make vegan cheese all the time. So that's how I do it. I can do it. I could do it zero waste.
0: And in terms of the the future of, you know, consuming and and grocery stores, how do you you see these big brands that are mass producing products, you know, tofu or cheeses, how do you see them being able to, to supply, you know, hundreds, you know, across America, potentially thousands of stores, but being more mindful of the environment and the impact that they're having? They need to change their packaging. And what what options do they have? So, what what, what would yeah. you like to see them do? So, if you if we're just pretending for the moment, I I own a, a vegan cheese brand in America. I'm supplying, let's say, thirteen hundred stores. We're producing thousands of units a week, and we use a currently a, a plastic typical cheese packaging. How would you like to see us change it? I mean, the maximum amount of
1: vegan cheese will have would have glass containers. You know, glass is better because it's reusable and but then again that is also waste too but it has more life to it you can reuse it and it doesn't leach any chemicals whereas plastic has chemicals that leach out of it when changing in temperatures and elevation when it travels in a plane um, those sort of things i think companies need to look at alternatives more sustainable alternatives possibly glass but that I, i think that becomes a little bit more pricey which I've noticed that if something's in plastic it's it's cheaper it's cheaper for that company to save money one company Snapple Snapple used to be in glass always was in glass and recently I came across a plastic bottle made by Snapple and the, their advertisement was new bottle made out of plastic I was like
0: <laughs> wait what i think the the big thing here is consumer demand and Unless, unless the demand for glass, unless that goes up, the problem is with more competition in the market, like you said, glass is more expensive. You know, that brand you just mentioned, potentially there's more competition in the market. They've, they have to consider their costs and, you know, they're, they're making decisions that are driven on profit. Unfortunately, those decisions, they're probably making those before they're thinking about the planet, which is very unfortunate. But when consumers, us, everyone listening, starts to demand a type of packaging, which is better for the environment, that's when businesses are forced to shift.
1: Absolutely. We, we, we run the, the market. We're the consumers. We're buying this product. And if we continue to buy plastic, that just tells the company, oh, they want more. So make more.
0: Why are they going to change and and re- and reduce their profit by going to a more expensive one when you're already buying? Yeah, we're already
1: buying this something that's less expensive. Yeah, and it's convenient. And okay, what's going to make them change? Because they're you know their incentive, and you know they want to make money. And okay, well they're not changing. We're not going to change. We need the change, and then they can they can figure it out too.
0: I think that's a very, very important point because it I mean it it also stems to 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 being vegan. It's similar. When you start to just buy animal free products, that's you know, I've spoken about this before on the podcast. That's when brands become more conscious of the fact that they need to supply animal free products. Right. And they need to meet that demand. And this is no different. Our dollar is our vote and you know, from what you're saying, I mean, you're, you're giving me so much information. Like I'm, I'm going to walk away from this podcast and review my life, like in terms of eliminating <laughs> waste. So, um, and, and I know the reason why I'm inspired to do that is because the ripple effect and the fact that your dollar does count and every person's individual dollar has a really big impact on the world. So I think a really great place to leave this conversation is. Just to recap what we've spoken about in a really simple manner for the listeners, if you were going to give them sort of your top five take-home tips for when they wake up tomorrow or when they you know, take their headphones out and jump off this podcast, what can they do to start moving towards a life with less wastage?
1: First and foremost, be more mindful. Just slow down. It's not just good for you and in that moment, but it has an effect. It has that ripple effect, like you said. And look at what you're consuming. Look at what you're consuming because you are what you eat. You are what you consume. From the music to the water you're drinking to the people you surround yourself with. Just be more mindful. And then you can start to see in your life what resonates with you and what's aligned. And to live with no waste or live with less waste. Those tips would include bringing your own bag to the grocery store or just with you in general, just bring a bag because maybe you want to go shopping. So you don't need to put, you know, that t-shirt or those pants in a plastic bag that they're going to give to you. I, I brought my own bag with me. This is what I always say when I, when I go shopping, I brought my own bag with me. You don't need to put it in the bag. Um, Bring your own bag. Bring your own container with you for water. You can fill up water wherever people have. There's water everywhere, so you can fill up and get get water anywhere. You don't need to go out and buy a plastic bottle. Bring a container with you. It could be small. It could be big. Could potentially be that water bottle. Where you know if you have food waste, you can put that into that container. Switch, ditch all plastic wherever you see plastic. You know, the, the small things like toothbrushes. My, I switch my toothbrush to bamboo and I use a bamboo toothbrush. There's so many toothbrushes. I think like the average person goes through maybe five or six or seven toothbrushes in a year. That's a lot. And the the last I think is probably the most important to me and is dear to my heart is compost. Finding a way to reduce your food waste. The amount of food that we waste here in America, we can end up feeding millions. World hunger would not exist, especially here in America. So don't waste any food and be mindful of the food that you do throw away where it's going. So consider composting.
0: I think those are some some great take-home tips. You know, mate, I think I think the best way of summarizing you and your journey so far and everything that we've discussed is to reference a, a famous quote and that is one by Mahatma Gandhi and he he said or to the effect said be the change you wish to see in the world and i think everything we've spoken about is leaning towards just everyone Trying to be better than they were the day before, being more mindful, thinking about eliminating waste from their life slowly, and you know, realizing that every single one of us can do better, and by doing better, we can leave this planet in a better condition than it, it was in when we arrived. And, and unfortunately, from from what you're saying, it sounds like. For a period of time, we have definitely not done a great job of that, and you know it's time for everyone to to become more conscious and take greater ownership over this. So, mate, I'd like to just thank you very much for such an insightful conversation.
1: Simon, thank you so much. Um, great time, great time being here and connecting with you. And let's do this again, <laughs> maybe on my podcast next year. <laughs> uh, enjoy France.
0: Thank you very much. And mate, just quickly, if anyone wants to reach out to you to ask you a question or just see what you're up to, how can they connect with you?
1: Find me at Eating with Max on, on Instagram, eatingwithmax.com. Send me an email. I always answer. I always get back to people. So I'd, I'd be more than glad to help and inspire, encourage, or just give tips to other people if they need help.
0: Awesome, and one last question—it's just come to me. The couple you met in Hawaii, who inspired you to move to a vegan lifestyle, and no doubt in in many ways have uh, you know influenced you to make this more recent change to eliminate waste. Have you did you stay in contact with them, and have you been in touch with them at all since then?
1: So life works in mysterious ways. That was six years ago. I ran into them. Back in November last year, 2017, I was in Los Angeles and I was walking down. I was downtown LA where, you know, not a lot of people are. And I ran into them and I walked into them and I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? They're like, they remembered me. We haven't, we like after that day, we didn't really speak afterwards, but we remembered each other. And I said, do you guys know what's going on? And they're like, no. And then I shared them. I was like, let's go sit down. Let's go have a coffee or tea. And just shared my whole story to like where I am now, and they were very happy. Like I, I think I brought tears to their eyes because they were so happy, and they were just blissed out from listening and hearing my story.
0: Yeah, I, I bet they would have been, you know, tremendously proud of the changes that you've made, and and just felt humbled that they played a part in in inspiring that. Yeah. All right, well, it's been an absolute pleasure and, um, you know, I really hope that we can connect again and uh, have a have a great evening in New York. I will, thank you. Bon voyage or, uh, <laughs> do they say, au revoir. Au revoir. Cheers, mate. <laughs> au revoir. Cheers. And that's this week's episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. Connect with myself and the Plant Proof community at plantproof.com and at plant underscore proof on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to receive our free plant-based nutritional information, including recipes, important blogs, and much more direct to your inbox. Until next time, folks, I'm your host, Simon Hill. Keep your spacesuit plant-proof.